podcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the program, everybody. Episode 718 of I Doubt It. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today in this echoey cavern by Brittany Page. <laughs> oh, wow. It is echoey. Very. I, as soon as I started talking, I'm like, uh, this is not great. Yeah. And it's going to be this way for probably up to two weeks. Yeah. So we, we moved. Um, if you follow us on the social media then you the social media then you are aware <laughs> that the difference in sound is really freaking me out i feel like i'm in an auditorium right now yeah that's kind of what it sounds like and i promise we are not in an auditorium what i should do is we should bring this down to more of a npr type of level where my voice doesn't boom in this in this big room and this will be the tone of the show from now on i don't i don't think that that's going to work yeah that's not going to work <laughs> Uh, moving was hell. We can talk about that if you would like. We're Very still, difficult. Still not fully done. We're still not fully done. And it's it's not even like we have a lot of stuff. I think it's just that there's a difference between the stuff that we need to have and to move to live. And then there's the stuff that we need to have to move for the YouTube and podcast. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like stuff that we don't really need that we have in the garage that we still need to move. Or just leave on the curb. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of curb stuff. There's going to be some <laughs> curb lamps. A la Southern California, as we've talked about in the past. Yeah, curb lamps, curb side tables. It's going to be an Ikea cornucopia <laughs> of items. Yes, yes. It's going to be like walking down an Ikea aisle, but outside. It's going to be great for whoever stumbles upon it. For the lamps. Yes. Um, what I discovered, though, what my Fitbit has taught me is that moving is very good for my health. Working very bad for my health because yeah. when we on the days where we were moving and really getting after it, I hate that I just said that, Chris Cuomo. And really getting after I, it. <laughs> I don't know why that just happened. Um, I got like 20,000 steps and yeah. it felt great. I was feeling, feeling really good, feeling really great. It's like 10 miles. I think, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like 10 miles. And then on the days when I'm working, I barely move at all. Because I, especially if I'm in my office at work, I don't like to leave because of the pandemic. I yeah. like to stay in my office. Although, that's a little piece of news too. I did get my first dose of the Moderna very good. vaccination. That's yeah. me clapping. It's very exciting. I don't know why I went for an applause button on the on the board because I don't have that because that's dumb. <laughs> It is odd that you went for that since we've never had that. How about this? That could be a reaction. <laughs> that could be a reaction to me being protected from the deadly coronavirus. Half protected. Half protected. Nearing nearing, almost full protection. And I also... I didn't. I did not get the vaccine. Yeah. Because I am not in that category. Yes. 
I stay in my house in my echoey cave, cave, cave all day. (laughs) Yeah. No, I feel very lucky and I am very appreciative that I was able to get it for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a, you're also legitimately in that you're not cutting corners. You're not bribing people or, you know, I don't know how you would bribe anybody, but you're legitimately in the 1A or 1B or whatever category it is that is the is the one to get it. For sure. You're not jumping the line. Yeah. Like because I am a healthcare worker. That is right. Mm-hmm. That is right. Yeah. So how have you been through the move? Let's check in with your mental health, how you're feeling about the new setup, how it's been for you doing the new setup. I mean, it's been a lot of work. Yeah. Well, I'm not so much worried about the work. I'm just, I'm learning that I am in many ways, because I'm not a perfectionist at all. <laughs> But I am learning that I am kind of the type who lets the perfect get in the way of the complete. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that saying is, but it's... Perfect the enemy of the good. Yeah, like... Don't I, make like, perfect the enemy like of the I good. Like, I didn't... I don't want to be here doing the show right now because I know it's not going to be great audio quality-wise. Right. I've done a couple of YouTube videos mm-hmm. that I'm just cringe-tastic over because... I can hear how bad the audio is. And it's going to take more in this new studio than just a few frames on the wall. So I've ordered acoustic panels and we're going to have to do something here because it's it's not uh, it's not to my liking. Yeah. Well, Popeye laying in his bed certainly helps, I think, with the sound. That's- he, Popeye doesn't give a shit. He could care less about any of this. I think he's a little bit more bummed that we now have stairs in the house. Yeah. That he has to navigate more than once a day. Yeah. And that's more, you know, that's an imposition for Popeye. Well, especially since he doesn't like to go anywhere without permission. He waits at the bottom of the stairs and cries like he's not allowed to come upstairs until he's invited. (laughs) And then once he's invited, he comes right up. Yeah, that's right. uh, Unless he's invited, he's down there crying. And although we got a negative review on iTunes that said we uh, talk too much about ourselves. <laughs> That's right. Which we're doing a lot of right now. You know what? That person's That's, very unhappy. I'm, I'm, um, don't care. <laughs> How is that? I want to read that. I'm glad you brought that up. You want to read the review? Yeah. I just got to get it in my iPhone since I'm, my, my phone doesn't recognize my face for some reason. Mm-hmm. I'll read our last two reviews. Okay. Our two most recent reviews. So... Um, oh, looks like they deleted that review. Wait, which one? Oh, no, it's there. It's a two-star review. Yeah. So our most recent one um, is the two-star. I like the YouTube channel, but the podcast meanders about personal stuff. I keep expecting more news and news and information, but have <laughs> to listen for a long time to get to that point. Oh. I've subscribed and unsubscribed many times oh not too informative is the title of it from kathy underscore gh well kathy we i would love to say that i apologize but i do not because that is that is what we do yeah it's it's unfortunately (laughs) what we do so but it's not for everybody and that's okay well listen if you want unvarnished news without any personal stuff Anderson Cooper does an hour every night. Yeah, well, sometimes he talks about that baby of his. I mean, oh, that's right. You, yeah, Kathy you, wouldn't like that. Kathy is like, what? What? No, <laughs> get that baby off the screen. What, what's all this bullshit about your personal life? <laughs> and then uh, the other one is from Andy in Oklahoma. Oh, Andy! 
And it says, uh, they are both brilliant. Oh. I love the personal life talk. I can't get enough of it. <laughs> no, 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 it does that. not. Uh, they are both brilliant. Jesse doesn't give himself enough credit. Both humble and very informed and quick to admit when they are wrong, which luckily isn't very often. Well, thank you, Andy. Uh, love these two and love the pod. Exclamation point. Very nice. The title of the review is called Great Takes and uh, Five Stars. Awesome. Thank you, Andy. Andy doesn't mind our personal goings on. Yeah. Well, a lot of people actually appreciate it. And that is part of, I think, how people get to know who we actually are. I mean, it's kind of nice to know the people that are talking about things so you can know whether you trust them or should give a shit about the things that they say. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I think that that's important. Well, it's it's also, it gives a little flavor. You, you can't drown yourself out with just news, 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 news. Brittany, no, stop. <laughs> is that about the news? Yeah. Do not say it. We have to edit that part out. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, uh, this is a, it's a personal thing. And in and, and, and politics and in news and in reporting like this, it is about affecting and, 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 and changing people's lives, impacting people's lives. And it, it impacts ours just like it does the audience's. And For sure. Well, we're going to talk about that. Definitely. So sorry, Kathy. Sorry, not sorry. Is that the <laughs> is that the saying? I think that's the take that you're going with. So we appreciate it when you subscribe. Right. And then we rescind that appreciation when you unsubscribe however many times. Correct. Ping pong. Also, you know, no one really wants reviews if they're going to be bad. You know? I mean, just just give us reviews if you're going to give us a good review. Right? Well, Two stars is bringing down the rating. I did think it was a little odd. By the way, if anybody wants to go out there and review the show to counteract Kathy, <laughs> I am I'm all on board with that idea. But I, I found it odd that I love the I love the YouTube channel, big fan of the YouTube channel, but I'm gonna take a big runny dump all over the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it is very different, right? Your YouTube video, it, their videos, they're shorter. They're about typically one topic. Yeah, that's right. And it is pretty much straightforward news with uh some vicious attacks on Tucker Carlson at times. Oh, we're going to talk about Tucker tonight. But aside from that, you don't really talk about yourself on the YouTube. And apparently that's the way Kathy wants it. She doesn't want to hear about you. Yeah, that's right. You shut your mouth about yourself. She wants to know what you have to say, which is which is nice. That's nice. She wants to know what you have to say. She doesn't care about you or who you are as a person, but she thinks what you have to say about topics is nice. That's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. I think it's nice. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> wow. Anyway, let's get to some voicemails. Before we do, we would like to drop the phone number to give you an opportunity to also sound off and tell us how you feel about everything going on, especially about our personal lives. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. This is Bradley, the trucker who goes around Chicago up to Rockford. And my question is for Brittany, um, mainly. But Jesse, there's also a political aspect, if you can touch on that after Brittany touches on the psychological aspect of my question. And that is, you know, with uh, so many deaths uh, occurring, not only right now, but over the past year... Um, we are seeing, I'm sure that there are families, um, 
that are just totally devastated by losing a parent or maybe even both parents. So I, I want to focus on that aspect of it where the, ch- the, ch- the children are left either orphaned or with uh, a single parent who maybe didn't even work. And suddenly, you know, now we're stuck, they're stuck, I should say, um, with a very uh, difficult situation and what type of psychological damage or ramifications that could bring about. And then Jesse, I'd like for you to talk about uh, the political aspect of this is to what can be done, what type of recourse can these families take? Um, you know, this is something that's going to haunt these families forever. And basically, it's the fault of former president, you know who, who basically, I can say this, fucked us in the ass big time on this COVID-19. Totally rammed us hard. And it's, uh, it's sad and I just wondering if, you know, is the government going to need to come up with some sort of support program for these families? Um, much like they did with the 9-11 families um, that were involved in that type of thing. Um, so, I guess that's pretty much all I had to say. So, I'll say that Brittany is the best part. Jesse, you come in a close second. Just barely eking out Popeye, only because he likes to fart a lot. But anyways, have a great day. Talk to you soon. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. You know that a voicemail is coming to an end when it um, when it encompasses or or, or includes oh, blah, 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 what else, what else, what else. <laughs> yes, that is true. We love Bradley. Bradley is a, a Patreon supporter. Mm-hmm. We, we, he joins us on the Patreon calls occasionally uh, while driving the big rig. Yeah. And we get to see the road. We do. We get to see the scenery. That's a good, uh, good time. So since Bradley specifically said he wanted to hear from me first, I will... Kind of a, kind of a dick move, but go I, ahead, Brittany. <laughs> I will. Well, you're, you'll be okay. You'll be okay, Jesse D. No, I meant on Bradley's part. It's, he he should wants have to hear from it. me. That's what I'm saying. That's a dick move. He should have addressed his question to me. Oh. You know, I'm still feeling low that we changed the name of the show. <laughs> Yeah. I'm no longer the, the 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 headliner. Yeah. And you know, it'd be nice if he, you know, looked at me first before asking you a question. Yeah. You just <laughs> need a little pat on the back. All yeah. right, go ahead. So related to the psychological toll on um I believe Bradley talked about kids who've lost parents due to COVID. Um people who are stepping into the caregiver role to care for people who are sick of COVID. Um, I'm not sure that we can quantify that yet, what the the effect is going to be. But what we do know is that mental health has been trending in the wrong direction with increases in depression, increases in anxiety, particularly in young people. And during the pandemic, there's been a lot of isolation, a lot of loneliness, uh, increases in substance use. Yeah. And all of those things, I think we're going to see building. And honestly, who knows what's going to come of that. But what's unfortunate is that 
it can be very difficult to get mental health treatment in this country. There are barriers to accessing affordable mental health care in this country. And I often get messages from people reaching out to me because they know that I work in the field and they want advice about how to find affordable mental health treatment. And so I'm just going to kind of go through a few of my recommendations on here in case it's useful for people, in case people want to give that information to people they know in their life. So typically you can go to universities that have interns working for them, people that are in master's programs that offer services for very cheap you can also Google sliding scale clinics, sliding scale nonprofit clinics that may exist in your area. I know here in Southern California, California Family Institute is a big one that does not turn anyone away, regardless of what they can pay. There are certainly not enough places like that, but also if you're looking to donate, you can donate to California Family Institute and support their mission. We've, we've had the, its founder and CEO, its clinical director, Dr. Chris Hoff on several times. Right. And then there's a website, openpathcollective.org. And this is a website where therapists can join to provide affordable um, in-office and online psychotherapy sessions. It's between $30 and $60. So again, sliding scale. And then um, $30 and $80 for couples and family sessions. So it isn't just for individuals. It can also be for families. And you can go on there and enter your city, into your zip code, find a therapist that might be located on that low-cost website. Again, openpathcollective.org. Like I said, it's it's not easy and it takes some work, especially if you don't have insurance, but it's definitely important. And I, I hope that people who are out there who may be struggling, thinking about going to therapy, but fearful of it, will look into those options and and reach out to someone in their life who can help them through that process as well so they can have that support. Yeah, super, super important. So uh, on the political aspect of things, uh, one... The fact that the pandemic really raised the profile of mental health in this country and very much shined a a bright spotlight on the deficiencies in our system related specifically to to health care and addiction and everything else. Um, One of those moments that Donald Trump was like, yeah, well, COVID, what about all the people who are going to kill themselves and all they're going to get overdose on drugs? Talking about it, acknowledging the problem, and then doing nothing to fund a solution. Right. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, relative to what kind of recourse families have, Donald Trump has immunity because he was the president and the leader of the country. It's unheard of for someone to sue a president for declaring war or going about the general duties of their office. Same could be said for like judges. Unless it's like rendering a judgment while drunk or high on the bench, eh, they got immunity from prosecution. So uh, it is a bummer, but elections have consequences. He is gone. We have someone who is a competent president now, and uh, we will wait to see what will be done. Mm -hmm. Well, Monica Lewinsky actually wrote an article in Vanity Fair where she called for a mental health czar to be appointed. It's a great idea. And I think it's a fantastic idea. It's something that I'm shocked 
hasn't been done. And I think it's a beautiful point that you made about Donald Trump and complaining about increases in suicide and um, overdoses. And then, like you said, not doing anything. I mean, you have the ability to make moves on these issues. And these are the same people who will laugh at people who support UBI, for example, yeah. for things that will universal lift, basic income. Yeah, will lift those burdens off of people so that they can access or have more access to care. So it's endlessly frustrating. This is ultimately a policy issue, but I'm I'm happy to know that there are organizations out there that are doing the work, that are standing in the gap, and are trying to provide services even in the face of our very broken system. I mean, if you think about it from a policy perspective, even a budgetary perspective, if we were to fund in a in a fulsome manner, not some half-assed approach, if we were to really throw some dollars at addressing mental illness in this country, think about the money and the resources that wouldn't need to be funneled to police departments and other 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 agencies and departments, both locally through municipalities all across the country, but also federal federal dollars could be reallocated somewhere else to be more useful. It's just a it's dereliction on the part of both Democrats and Republicans for generations. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, COVID is a moment in our you know in our history. It, it ultimately will be a blip on the radar in you know, a hundred years or so. Hopefully, it was that spark that spurred you know. Uh, progress mm-hmm. related to all of this. Can I talk about that issue of like police funding and and taking some police funding and you, you doing it, do it. Yeah, and pointing it in the direction of mental health professionals who respond to mental health crises rather than police. There's been many uh, local municipalities, many cities across the country that have implemented these approaches, and they have been very successful. And sometimes I will see commentary on this where people find it laughable that a mental health professional, someone without a weapon, would respond to a mental health crisis, for example, that police are typically sent to. And it's so strange to me. Like, I I don't know (laughs) why people feel like they can opine on things that they don't actually have experience with or know about. I know it's Twitter, but... Twitter or, you know, you can think either Jack Dorsey or... or, uh... The robot over at Facebook. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. What the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day. It's been a long few weeks of yeah, moving. But I, when I worked at the inpatient psychiatric facility that I that I used to work at, we were trained in nonviolent crisis. No, wait, wait, wait. No, you weren't. Everyone was armed. Everyone who worked in the locked psychiatric hospital was armed with a with, with a firearm. Brittany, what what do you mean? No one was armed. <laughs> yeah, it's that is not allowed. It, that's why it's laughable that someone would laugh at the prospect of someone showing up to a mental health crisis unarmed. Yes, and because tens of thousands of people do it every single day is for their job. Yeah, and of course, if you're responding to a mental health crisis in in the world, not in a like locked facility, there could be a weapon at at the scene, which would make that potentially more dangerous. Sure, but. Having armed people respond to a mental health crisis can also escalate that situation to the point where someone can die and violence can happen and those weapons are used. But what I was saying was I was trained in nonviolent crisis intervention techniques, and we were told that regardless of what was said to us, if we were touched, if we were hit, if we were being choked, that's right, that we were not to fight back. Because our goal was not to hurt someone who was hurting. 
the patient, someone who's in pain, someone who's lashing out in pain. Our job was to control the situation and to use the techniques that were available to us to get that situation under control. And if you can't do that without harming somebody, then maybe this isn't the job for you. And we were told that directly. And I remember the trainer saying, leave the room. If you think you're here to beat someone's ass, there's the door. Yeah. I suggest you leave. And what a beautiful approach that could be for cops, right? But going well, that should be the culture in police departments, even in response to non-mental health crises. Right. And it was very beneficial. I had people posture to fight me. I was grabbed. I was touched. There were some scary situations that happened at times. But ultimately, I was very safe because as long as people are trained and as long as people are responding in the appropriate way, conflicts are not going to escalate. You're going to be able to get them under control. And so I I do wish that there was more funding for these things and that we, when you suggest defunding the police and taking some of those funds and putting them elsewhere, that this wasn't a laughable proposition. We should all be thinking about new ways of doing things as the mental health crisis gets worse, as depression, anxiety, suicide, addiction, as these things get worse. We should be thinking about how to change our system, how to make these things better. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm thinking of not... People get freaked out by change, so it shouldn't even be maybe postulated as how do we change it, just how do we better our system? Yeah. How do we improve it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a marked improvement over the bullshit we have right now. Yeah, and you'd think that wouldn't be scary, improving something. <laughs> you know. People, but it, people are afraid. <laughs> if people are getting something for free, though, yeah. do they deserve it? Well, I had to pay for that when I was a child. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Bradley, for the call. We appreciate it very much. Next time's address me, sir. This is, <laughs> this is bullshit. All right, next call. Hi, this is Ruben from Norway calling. I started listening to your show a few months ago, and I love it. So thank you for that. I just I was just listening to the podcast number 712 and the concern about the rushed COVID vaccine. First, I want to say that the concept of the seven to ten years in the making of a vaccine isn't a good thing, simply because this means they aren't getting it right. And that means it's ten years in the making because it's ten hard years of battling indifferences, commercial imperatives, luck and red tape. To put it in a different way, making a vaccine faster, you need unlimited amount of cash, highly motivated people, all the world's trial infrastructure, wonderful trial volunteers, and some sensible regulators, and the virus hanging around, of course. With all with, with all of this and the clock ticking on the global pandemic killing people by the second, it turns out that they can do amazing things. The vaccine trials have been nothing short of a miracle, um, a revolution. But when you think about it, it's not that surprising given our ability to innovate when we really need to. So, yeah, one last thing. There will always be a risk. You don't stop flying, driving a car, or eating too many carbs, even though it's a risk. Some people are afraid of the whole idea of autism occurring because of the vaccine. But this is not true, and it's no proof of that. Call it a QAnon if you want. Uh, Here in Norway, we got in the news because of the COVID vaccine death, but take into account that we have a bigger life expectancy 
And these people were incredibly fragile and they all had kidney deficiencies as well. So I would say that it's everyone's duty to take the vaccine. Go online, read about it. It's going to save us all. Um, yeah. Thank you. And uh, keep it going. Or how did I say that? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Well, let me say that it is irrational how much I love our international audience. And the reason why I say it's irrational, <laughs> there's a reason behind it, is because it's almost as though, and it's, it's wrong, I'm not saying this is the way I'm, that it's right, that I'm thinking this way, but it's almost like, well, international people have a choice of whether to listen to the show. Domestic people, they just fucking have to. What? I don't know why. I, I it's kind. That's kind of the logic in my stupid head. Well, because the things that we talk about may not always be relevant to them. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But anyway, Ruben, thank you very much for the call and for listening to the show and for, for loving it unconditionally. We yeah. very much appreciate that. Yeah. This is another aspect of I'm, what I'm hoping will be a light that uh, got flicked on for the world after what took place with these vaccines. Mm-hmm. That really the only thing standing in the way... To, to curing diseases or coming up with vaccines and treatments is money and effort and the will to do so. It's kind of in line with, look, we've got all kinds of problems, all kinds of disorders and diseases and, and syndromes or whatever that don't have a cure, but if a guy can't get a heart on, oh, we're on it. We've got several boner pills. Because there's a will to fix that. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, there are reasons there's a will. Because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a patriarchy. Men run the goddamn world. But um, I'm hoping that people wake up to this. Ruben's right. That it's... We can get this done in 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 months. I mean, very right. Especially related to how I will not stop eating carbs. Oh, I'm... Come on. Regardless of the risk. I don't care at all. I didn't even know there were risks, first of all. I don't want anyone to tell me about them. If carbs were made of dog shit, I would smell like... I'd have dog shit breath all the time. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I'm going that far. Okay, I love me some carbs. Well, let's also... I want to say, because Ruben said, go online and read about the vaccine. I kind of chuckled at that. (laughs) I'm like, okay... No, don't do it! Don't do it! I mean, certain places online, sure, but not just anywhere online. Just search Andrew Wakefield. (laughs) Please, for the love of God, do not. He's a totally not disgraced scientist that sure. everyone should take heed of. Yeah. I I get a little afraid of the go online and read about it because... Well, it's the do your own research thing. Yeah. And I mean, you could be talking to someone who doesn't trust the CDC and... Thinks does- there's like Jewish space lasers starting wildfires. Yeah. I... It, it Marjorie gets, Taylor Greene. Yeah, it gets a little difficult when you're you're dealing with. You know, that's the latest one from her, right? Jewish space lasers starting the 2018 Camp Wildfire here in California. Yeah, it must be a bummer for her to just not be able to accept that bad things happen in the world, and that she doesn't have any control over that. Like, there's no mystery for you to solve. There's nothing that you're going to be able... There's no puzzle piece that you can find that's going to explain things to you to make you feel safe, which is what she's trying to do with these conspiracy theories. I wonder how forest fires were started in prehistoric time. 
Mm-hmm. There must not have been any ever forest fires. Well, she's the she's the representative from Georgia. That's right. And Elected congresswoman. <laughs> she also believes that the Parkland shooting was a false flag. Sandy Hook was a false flag. The video was released of her harassing the Parkland shooting survivor, David. Ha- I've heard it hog and hog. I call him hog because it's H-O-G-G. Okay. Not because it's shitty. It just it looks like hog. So. Yeah, I didn't think it was because it was shitty. I just, yeah. I don't know why you had felt like you had to explain yourself there. Well, because I've heard it both ways. So I, it's a 50-50 chance I'm going to screw it up. Yeah. Well, has he said his name online? Well, I was talking to him yesterday and he didn't get around to it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm sure he said his name. I don't know. Okay. Well, we need to dig for that. We need to find it. We need Someone to get Someone will call in or write in and tell us. I hope so. That would be great. It's like when I was saying Betsy DeVos's name wrong. They're like, no, it's Voss like sauce. What were you saying? I don't remember, but. Betsy DeVos? Probably a real fancy Meritage. Oh, <laughs> uh, listen to that echo. All right. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Ruben, for the call. We appreciate it very much. Let's move on. Final call. How's it going, guys? This is Tim calling in. I want to talk about whatever the fuck the Democrats think they're doing. <laughs> wow. Some are easy. They think that it's okay to renege on promises. Literally, the sole promise you can ever say the Democrats promised during this election season was that if you vote for them, you get $2,000. To help you make things right. Since you got to stay home. You may have lost your job or whatever. And day one. These motherfuckers are reneging. Thomas, oh you already got six. So we're going to give you 14. To make it 2,000. Motherfucker that's not what you said two weeks ago. And then on top of that. They're saying that you. You may not even get it until March. And and then they're saying they're willing to negotiate with the Republicans. Like, motherfuckers, <laughs> if you put forth the $2,000 bill, a lot of them are already on the record saying they'll vote for it. So who the fuck are you negotiating with? Like, th- like this type of stuff is the reason why I was pushing for just taking the Senate and leaving Trump in the White House. Because this is the situation that led to Trump. Now, we don't have to like Trump, but one thing we agree on is that that motherfucker was incompetent. Now, would Trump 2 prone be incompetent? I highly doubt it. And that should be worse. Because a lot of people tend to think that just because Joe Biden won, that that means America wasn't against racism. What people fail to uh, realize is that a lot of Republicans voted for Joe Biden because they didn't, not because they didn't disagree with what Trump said, they disagree with the way he said it. That is why he's the number two for the most folks ever. They're not going anywhere. They didn't just appear out of the woodwork. They were always there. And they were just shoved into the shadows. Like everyone wants to do again. Like, oh, they're not there. But, motherfucker, they're there. We saw them. We know that they're there. 
We need to talk about it. And understand that they're not going anywhere unless there's a actual move to make a fundamental change in the way our government is run. I don't know. But love you guys. Keep up the good work. So a few different things here. One, I always appreciate when Tim calls in. For sure. Um, Tim may be surprised. I think we talked about this last episode, but I we agree. I agree with Tim about the fact that the, the $2,000 uh, stimulus package bill that was going to be put forth all of a sudden kind of strangely got down to, oh, well, 1400 plus the 600 you already got, mm-hmm. which you didn't get, Brittany. I did not. Um, that that's two thousand. That's not what was talked about. That's BS. That's a cop out. That's shortchanging the American people who have been screwed over for nine, ten months. Um, now where I will push back a little bit is the system we have relative to appropriations. Tim involves the legislature. It involves the Congress. Now, obviously, the House not a problem. We got it passed. We have a 50-50 Senate where Kamala Harris is a tiebreaker. And because of the filibuster and because of our cloture rule, you need 60 votes to limit debate on certain things. That's why we need to just do away with the filibuster. Democrats need to just find it within themselves, the courage to ditch the filibuster. I realize there's this romanticized idea about the more deliberative body, the Senate. Those days, if they ever existed, which I don't believe they they ever did, they're dead now. Mitch McConnell strangled them. The, 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 The cold corpse of a deliberative Senate is long past. It is gone. What is the concern that people have with doing away with the filibuster? Like, what, is, what is the concern that people have? I think, I think that the argument would be, well, once Republicans get in office, they'll be able to just pass things with a, 50, with a, with, with a simple majority vote. Hmm. And my, my argument to that would be, if we really want a progressive agenda in this country, we want Medicare for all, and we want some kind of an actual safety net, social safety net relative to you know entitlement reform where we actually help people. Um, we need to do away with the filibuster, pass all of these things, and then watch Republicans. No way! They're going to be pass Medicare for all and then watch Republicans try to take that away. Hmm. Pass a $15 minimum wage and see them try to put it back to 725 an hour when they get into office. There will be an actual revolution. Yeah. You will see a kind of a kind of uprising that we have not seen in this country ever. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to happen. Yeah. That seems to make a lot of sense to me. Also, I think this and this this I think is more an opinion based on just what's in my head. 
Uh, I mean, not based on like the, the history and, and knowing that you know once you get an entitlement, it's it's very difficult to remove that. Hmm. Like, look at Donald Trump. It would have been his his wettest of wet dreams to to do away with Obamacare, and he couldn't get it done hmm. with a Republican House, a Republican Senate. He couldn't get it done. It's very difficult. But the other thing is, once people see what their co- government can actually do for them. It will light a fire of political activism and and uh, interest and activity. People will vote. People will actually vote their interests. It might wake some Republicans up to, oh, man, who knew yeah. that this is what it could be? This is what an actual functioning government does for its citizenry. Yeah. That's been one of the more strange things that I've encountered on the internet in the past two weeks is when the... <laughs> That's saying something, because it's the internet. I know. <laughs> when when the discussion happened about the $15 minimum wage, and I saw all of these people coming out and defending corporations, you know, defending McDonald's right to pay people crumbs... And they don't make a lot of money, these people that are coming. I mean, not everybody that's that's arguing against minimum wage, but the people I'm talking about specifically are, aren't making a lot of money. Right. But they're spending time on the internet defending corporations, saying that if you raise the minimum wage, the cost of living is going to raise. I don't know. I think, everybody, I think everybody in your Facebook, um, those threads that you from high school... We're probably sitting in their mansion wearing a top hat and a monocle. <laughs> and they know what's going on, Brittany. I, don't, I think you're jumping to conclusions that they're not fat cats. I could be. That, <laughs> that could be true. Oh, let me, I have a gold-plated keyboard. Let me rattle off this comment. You know, I did miss the reunion, so I could have... <laughs> well, see, there you go. There could be a lot of context <laughs> missing that I'm unaware of. You're right. You're right. Once again, Andy from Oklahoma will be thrilled. (laughs) Anyway, Tam, thank you for the call. As always, we'd love to know what you think out there. If you've never called in, we'd love to hear your voice. We'd love to have you sound off. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I Doubt It is an independent podcast supported by listeners like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you find the show informative, entertaining, or both, go to dollamore.com slash Patreon and choose the contribution level that's right for you. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Daniel S. Daniel S. Ruben S. Ruben S. Darren D. Darren D. Dat other guy. Dat other guy. Victor L. Victor L. Joel T. Joel T. Nick P. Nick P. And we would like to give a special shout out to Blizzard Fingers. Blizzard Fingers 89? 35. Blizzard Fingers is all this Patreon uh, name says. So we give the Patreon name. I'm thinking of Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to Blizzard Fingers who increased his pledge on Patreon. Who also tweeted me and said I looked nervous and maybe fidgety is the word he used. Oh. In one of my recent YouTube videos. Nervous. You know, I'm nervous in in front of the camera now. Hundreds of videos in. Well, you're probably nervous about the the new setup that you have, right? Not, not nervous. Okay, not nervous. bothered by the the echo. 
in the air, but yeah, not nervous. Yeah. Well, hopefully there will be a remedy for that soon. No remedy needed. Not nervous. No remedy for the sound. Oh, <laughs> the echo. Yeah. Uh, anyway, listen. We love you guys. We appreciate all of your support. Thank you. If you're out there and you're on the fence, you've thought about supporting us. Let me just say this. If you find value in what we do, if we bring value to your life, consider supporting us on Patreon for $2 a month. If we were able to marshal the size of our audience, $2 goes a long way. It's not just $2. So thank you for considering. Thank you for those who do support the show. We love you. We appreciate you. And we will leave it alone. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So speaking of Joe Biden, let's talk about the, the, the plan that has been laid out for the next hundred days of his administration, or maybe his first hundred days, which tends to be the, the benchmark for presidents to see how they're doing and what they're accomplishing. President Biden's new nationwide COVID strategy includes getting 100 million vaccines into the arms of Americans by the end of April and safely reopening schools in the next 100 days. The Biden administration plans to set up vaccine centers at stadiums and community centers and to deploy federal personnel to help administer shots. Overall, Mr. Biden is expected to sign 10 executive orders today that, among other things, require mask wearing on planes and trains and establish a health equity task force focused on racial disparities. Mr. Biden and his staff got straight to work on day one. And I thought with the state of the nation today is no time to waste, get to work immediately. In a redecorated Oval Office, the new president signed 17 other executive orders and actions, mostly rolling back President Trump's signature policies. They end the so-called Muslim travel ban, cancel the Keystone XL pipeline permit, and halt funding for the southern border wall. The U.S. will also rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. These are just executive actions. Uh, they are important, but we're going to need legislation for a lot of other things we're going to do. The administration is focused on setting a new tone. We're going to be judged whether or not we restored the integrity and the competency of this government. And White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said there would be a return to regular briefings. When the president asked me to serve in this role, we talked about the importance of bringing truth and transparency back to the briefing room. Hello, Kathy. President Biden also made his expectations clear to more than 100 new staff during a virtual swearing-in ceremony. If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot. On the spot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everybody. Everybody is entitled to be treated with decency and dignity. That's been missing in a big way the last four years. I'm going to make mistakes when I make them. I'll acknowledge them and I'll tell you. And I'll need your help to help me correct them. Also this morning, the Department of Homeland Security is starting a 100-day moratorium on deportations and ending the Trump-era policy of requiring non-Mexican asylum seekers to stay in Mexico ahead of their court hearings. So one thing that sticks out to me about that clip is Joe Biden saying that the executive orders are important, but he's also going to need legislation in order to do a lot of the things that he wants to do. And he's being criticized, I think, predictably about the executive orders from people who are saying, listen, 
in fact, there was an op-ed in the New York Times about this specifically entitled Ease Up on the Executive Actions, Joe. And I've seen some criticism about this, about the executive orders, executive actions, saying that the preference should be to legislate, to go to Congress, to work with Congress. And I'm curious what you think about those criticisms. Uh, well, when he has a Democratic Congress, yeah, I, I, I think those are valid. I, w- I would say this, though, unless the executive orders are illegal, if it's within the purview of the executive branch and his power, uh, then I don't think that there's a criticism to be had. Um, my criticism would be that you have a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate. Get it done. Mm-hmm. Get the things done that you need to do. Push and pressure Chuck Schumer, the unfortunate majority leader of the United States Senate, to do away with the filibuster, as we've said. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it did one thing. I, I am going to drop a little criticism here. W- one thing that did strike me as odd is him, you know, the whole I'm going to fire you because everybody deserves dignity and decency. Uh, is the same guy who was thumping people in the chest and challenging them to push up wars on the, on the campaign trail. How many times did we see him be abjectly disrespectful to voters? Well, you know what? Then don't vote for me. Then don't vote for me, pal. Thump, thump, thump in the chest. Come on, bro. You had a criticism for him today as well. What did he say that no one tells him what to do? I don't remember what it, I was going to bring it up to, but I don't remember the exact language. Um, somebody was like, are you being forced into that position? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, nobody forces me into any position. Like, all right, Trump 2.0. Enough with the language and the bravado. Just do your goddamn job. Make Americans' lives better. And quit trying to be a tough guy. Enough. Yeah, I think... Uh... Overall, though, <laughs> overall, though, I think uh, a good job is being done. There, there are certain... Some balls are being dropped. It's not a... Per- he's, not, he's not batting a thousand. Nobody thought he would. Um, but I am heartened to see that they are vanquishing... Many, many Trump appointees, even in positions that weren't high profile, mm-hmm. they're rooting. They're they're not doing it publicly, like appointing the reversal czar that I talked about that I thought he should do. But it seems like there's a shadow reversal czar in there <laughs> getting the job done. So yeah. uh, there are some there are some criticisms, certainly, but there's also some things that uh, he is doing well. Yeah. Well, in the impending doom, I think that was hanging over all of us is gone. And that's yeah. nice. That's nice. It's also like we talked about earlier. It's also nice because we're not hearing from Trump. Yeah. This is an unexpected. Um, I expected every day for him to be on Fox News calling into Fox and Friends for an hour and a half. And we're not seeing that. It, that's fantastic. Yeah, wait, I thought Matt Matt Gates. I just saw him on TV. He was saying that, that Donald Trump is going to fight for Americans. Mm. He's not going to stop. What was Did- your comment? I don't want to steal it. It was good. <laughs> I don't remember. He was going to do fighting from the golf course because that's exactly where he is at every waking moment now. Yeah, I mean, that's what he did while he was president, too. So what do we yeah. expect? It's yeah. just... Not much different. Yeah, it's just weird to hear Matt Gates still droning on about that. The other thing that Joe Biden did today, I, through executive action, by the way, which I'm not going to argue with, is a special enrollment period for people, of, I think, uh, February through... April, April yeah. uh, to, to sign up for Obamacare, for mm-hmm. uh, um, the Affordable Care Act, which is outside of the normal open enrollment period. And that right. is awesome. Look into that. If you are needing insurance and you're, you're on, you don't have it, sign up. This mm-hmm. is the time right now to take advantage of that. So. Yeah. 
Starting, I think, February 15th is when that opens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it did seem like most of that list from that clip dealt with COVID-related things. Mm-hmm. And look, that is certainly going to be taking up a lot of the of, of bandwidth for the administration and Joe Biden. Right. Uh, it is certainly uh, a, a pressing issue. Hopefully, he's able to get a, a competent cabinet in, in place so there will be cabinet uh, officials who can take some of the load that is not COVID-related and, and make a run at some actual policy. Mm-hmm. But speaking of COVID, we do have a vaccine now. Two vaccines. One at the ready. Uh, I think the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is getting ready to be to be debuted or approved by the FDA. And it puts us all in a position, Brittany and, Brittany and me especially. Uh, I, you know, I want to piss off Kathy and talk about our personal lives, but we like to travel. <laughs> it is something that we enjoy doing and something that we really wanted to do in 2020. And we talked about it in 2019, that travel was going to be a big part of our life. And it, uh, I don't know if you know, but it, it wasn't. Well, I know you know because we talk about our lives all the time constantly. And we would have been talking about the trips we took. <laughs> uh, sorry, Kathy. Oh. And uh, anyway, um, so the, 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 the question is, and with something Brittany and I have talked about is once we both get our vaccines, how soon can we travel? What's the situation? Do we jump on a plane right away? <laughs> and apparently that is not the case. And this is from Anthony Fauci. And he makes a great argument. Dr. Fauci, let's get back to some uh, viewer questions. Um, Carol, who is a grandmother of five from Virginia Beach, sent in this video. Take a look. One of the worst parts about the pandemic is not being able to travel freely to see our grandchildren. My husband and I just got the first dose of the Moderna vaccine, and on February 19th, we'll get the second dose. When will we have immunity, and when will we be able to travel? And we just heard Dr. Walensky say now is not the time to be traveling, but, but what about this type of situation specifically? Well, you know, what, what the, what the uh, person who, who called that question in said, when will they have immunity? Well, you can get some degree of protection, some degree that is endurable, you know, 10 days to 14 days after the first dose, but you can't rely on that. The maximum immunity begins about 10 days to two weeks and beyond following the second dose. That goes for anyone, regardless of whether you want to travel or not. That would give you, as a group, about a 94 to 95% efficacy and a good safety profile. The situation, though, does not change what Dr. Walensky said, that it is not a good idea to travel period. I mean, if you absolutely have to travel and it's essential, then obviously one would have to do that. But we don't want people to think because they got vaccinated, then other public health recommendations just don't apply. One of the biggest things that are really not well understood is people ask, why should I even have to wear a mask after I get my second shot? And the reason is very clear that the primary endpoint of the vaccine trial was clinically apparent infection. So you could conceivably get infected, get no symptoms, and still have virus in your nasopharynx, which means that you would have to wear a mask to prevent you from infecting someone else, as well as the other side of the coin, where you may not be totally protected yourself. So getting vaccinated 
does not say now I have a free pass to travel, nor does it say that I have a free pass to put aside all of the public health measures that we talk about all the mm. time. The, yeah. Does the, so you're saying that the vaccine does not prevent necessarily against infection. Are you saying that that's the case or we haven't shown it yet? Do we still have to just prove this out, Dr. Fauci? Right. We don't, Sanjay, very good question. We do not know that as a fact. But we can now, as we get a few months into the follow-up, what we will be able to do is quantitative assessment of the amount of virus in the nasopharynx of a vaccinated person who got an asymptomatic infection compared to an unvaccinated person who had an asymptomatic infection. And then you can make an extrapolation from that, that if you have such a very low level of virus, it's unlikely that even though you were infected that you would pass it on. But we don't know that yet. That associated with cohort studies, where you actually look specifically at the spread, you'd be able to sow it. Bottom line, Sanjay, this is an assumption that I think is reasonable, but we don't know the facts yet. That's the reason why we have to do this study. Well, spoken like a true scientist, leaving room for uncertainty, which obviously makes people uncomfortable. They want an official answer, and they want the answer to be that they can travel. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I want the answer to be, but also, I want to do it safely. Yes, for sure. And the fact that you could still potentially be carrying the virus, infect other people, that should be a big motivator for people to still do the right thing, still follow the protocols, and understand that we're we're still going to be in this for the long haul. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, what I took away from that, especially related to us, sorry, Kathy, and our travel, <laughs> is uh, that we're just going to hold off and see what these the studies and the research projects as to the safety. Right. Because I don't want to be in a position where I'm unwittingly, unknowingly, inadvertently infecting someone because I'm, well, I'm immune. I'm not going to get sick. It's safe for me. Right. That's, that's an untenable choice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely. And I'm glad that Dr. Fauci also touched on the fact that you're going to need to continue to wear a mask after you get vaccinated as well. Uh, I think they should be informing everybody of that when they get their vaccine just to help increase the general knowledge of the people that are being vaccinated so they're aware hey still gotta wear the mask yeah for sure and be double masking in fact double mask which i started doing months ago at a friend's recommendation and now i feel naked with only one mask i i just i I don't see the it's not a it's not an imposition it's just as shitty as wearing one mask to me it is it is yeah i mean because i mean everybody's like well you're not wearing a mask. Well, I hate wearing a mask. We all hate wearing a mask. Yeah, no one likes it. Yeah, but wearing two is okay. It's not more stifling. It's just another thing. Yeah, and I tell you, I feel better. I feel better. It yeah. could just be a mental thing for me. In fact, it probably is. But when I have an N95 on underneath uh, a cloth mask, it, it makes me feel a lot better. Right on. Yeah. All right. Let's pull this train into the proverbial station. It's the asshole of today. 
Tucker Carlson. So he was leading this charge of Republicans who were very upset, very confused, not understanding why Joe Biden... Feeling attacked. Took unnecessary (laughs) shots at like white supremacists, talking about unity and and how we don't want to unify with white supremacists and how we need to deal with domestic terrorists and people who support white supremacy. They were like... Why are you attacking me? Why are you yelling at me? (laughs) Why are you saying this? It's almost as though, I mean, listen, if Joe Biden had come out during his inaugural address and said, listen, we are going to we're going to be um, battling against serial killers and and cannibals. Mm -hmm. And if Tucker Carlson was to say, whoa, whoa, (laughs) listen. How dare you attack cannibals and serial killers? And also, I'm going to need to know what you're talking about when you say serial killer. I'm going to need you to define the word. <laughs> and mean, yes, that's what he does about white supremacists, yeah, People by the would way. say, is Tucker Carlson a serial killer? Why is he going to bat for the serial killer community? Yeah, what's going on with this knee-jerk defense? That is exactly what happened related to Biden's remarks during his inaugural address about racists. One particular part of this speech stuck out especially. Now, we didn't support Joe Biden for president. You probably guessed that. But if we're being totally honest here, and we want to be honest, we have to say it was very hard to disagree with this specific part of the address. Watch. On this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. With unity, we can do great things, important things. Bringing America together, Biden said, uniting our people, uniting our nation, to which we said as we watched it, and we meant it when we did, amen, unity. That is precisely what this country needs more than it needs anything. We are all in this together, every single American, and we have no choice but to hang together. Let's finally accept that we are one country and act like we are and make this a better place for everyone. Unity. No decent person opposes that. If Joe Biden can bring unity to this country, he will be a legitimately great president. But there's a catch. There always is a catch. We're going to bring America together, Joe Biden told us today, but not everyone is going to be included. Unity doesn't mean every single American, because not everyone who is born within our borders really is an American. Some of us are beyond the pale of citizenship, morally. We may have American passports and birth certificates, but effectively, we are hostile foreigners. We are the enemy. We must be defeated. Here's who Joe Biden says those people are. A rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism that we must confront and we will defeat. We will defeat political extremists, domestic terrorists, white supremacists. Those are America's enemies. We must wage war against them. We must, quote, defeat those people. That's what Biden said today. It seemed like a highly significant part of his speech and maybe a significant part of the Democratic Party's governing agenda going forward. We're not imagining this. We weren't the only ones who noticed it. People who voted for Joe Biden heard it, too. Watch. I heard a declaration of war against white supremacy and against the lies that brought our democracy to the brink. And President-elect Biden will inherit an unprecedented domestic security crisis. 
a declaration of war against white supremacy. Now, you may not have noticed that because on one level, it's not very remarkable. Not many Americans support white supremacy. Most people in this country find it disgusting. Of course, and they should. But the question is, what is it exactly? Now that we're waging war on white supremacists, can somebody tell us in very clear language what a white supremacist is? That's not some picayune semantic question. Joe Biden isn't a high school debate coach. Joe Biden is the new president of the United States. Joe Biden controls the largest military and largest law enforcement agencies in the world. He has now declared war. So we should know specifically and precisely who exactly he has declared war on. We have a right to know that. All right, listen. First of all, let's acknowledge the the shifty nature of his argument there. Mm-hmm. He plays Joe Biden, then plays some rando, Joe Biden supporter, who happened to say that it sounded like he declared war, and therefore Joe Biden did officially declare war. It sounded like Mika. Is that who it was? It sounded like Mika. Yeah. So that's bullshit on its face. Secondly, he's talking about unity. Oh, but not for racists, not for white supremacists, not for domestic terrorists. And he's complaining. Yeah. Well, why can't we have unity with them, too? That's the (laughs) argument Tucker Carlson is making. Well, I like that you're pointing out the declaration of war aspect of it, because then toward the point where you paused it, Tucker Carlson is talking about how he controls the military, almost trying to up the ante a little bit, up the fear in his viewers. It's exactly what he's doing. Of how he's going to come after you and Tucker Carlson wants to know, what's the definition of a white supremacist? How do you define white supremacy? Because many of my viewers might fall into the category of that's white ex- supremacy, and they're, they're worried yeah. that you're going to drop a bomb on them, that's that exactly you're coming what he's for doing. them. I, I mean, it, it seems he's pretty He's whipping up the fear into his militia base. Yeah. Look, I can tell you what a white supremacist is, Tucker Carlson. All of your audience members that happen to be wearing Auschwitz, Camp Auschwitz shirts... That's a white supremacist. Mm-hmm. Those who are screaming the N-word at the black Capitol police officers, those are white supremacists. Baked Alaska, who is among them, white supremacists. COVID positive, by the 99% way. 99% of the Proud Boys who were there, white supremacists. There are avowed white nationalists, white supremacists, racists who were in the group. That was ma- the makeup of the crowd. So to play this this stupid game, what exactly is that you have to define the terms for me? Shut your mouth. Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely disingenuous because anyone who's arguing about uh, race and IQ, who's spending like hours right. of their day talking about that. Who says Im- immigrants make our country dirtier and poorer. Yeah. That is a quote from Tucker Carlson. You, Tucker Carlson are a white supremacist. You make white supremacist arguments about the Great Replacement, about white genocide. Mm -hmm. You are chief among them. Yeah. And you are today's asshole of today. Exactly. Somebody let him know, everybody. (laughs) Anyway, we'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone, as I always say, to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you guys. We appreciate your support. If you're not supporting us on Patreon, we would invite you to consider to do so for as little as $2 a month. You can help produce the show, 
helping move the conversation forward one episode at a time. We'll see you next time. We love you guys. We appreciate you. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been Echoey I Doubt.